Welcome to Friday's Child the Podcast, formerly known as Life School ME. When I started Life School back in June 2019, my vision for where I wanted to take the podcast and how it would grow was not 100% clear. I knew I wanted to interview inspiring women and share their stories, but there was no grand plan. And that's okay. I'm a firm believer in starting before you're ready. But after falling pregnant with my beautiful daughter Mavia and deciding to focus on the world of bumps and babies for series two, I discovered a new passion for all things related to pregnancy and birth. The things I learned about the female body and birth during my pregnancy journey have changed me forever and ignited a newfound passion and love for this subject matter. So Life School has been reborn as Friday's Child and during this series I will be talking to first-time mums, childbirth educators and industry experts on all things motherhood. Whether you're newly pregnant, a first-time mum, or maybe you just want to find out more about the world of babies and motherhood, I hope you enjoy listening to my wonderful guests and that hopefully you can take away some helpful information and insights. Now let's get on with the show. My guest today for this special final episode of the series is dating guru, columnist, host of the Clueless Mum podcast and all-round fabulous celeb mama, Nadia Essex. I am a huge fan of Nadia's podcast, The Clueless Mum, and it was an absolute dream to have her on the show. We chat about Nadia's birth, breastfeeding, postpartum body confidence, and much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the one and only Nadia Essex. Nadia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you on. And we've got your little gorgeous boy with us as well. Yeah, he's a bit, he's being a bit needy at the moment. So he's just having a nice snack. Hopefully he'll stay quiet. <laughs> Good as gold. He is so gorgeous. Um, oh, I'm so excited to chat to you. Firstly, I am such a huge fan of your podcast. I can't wait for your new series. Um, it really helped me through my pregnancy, particularly those early days where I remember once actually I was in a car park. It must have been within the first week of my daughter being born and I was listening to an episode about breastfeeding and I was like oh my god yes it's not just me <laughs> I just love your podcast and one thing you touched on um I think series two was how your your birth didn't quite go to plan how you sort of had envisaged it but you still had a really positive experience so can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy journey and then your birth experience yeah, I mean, I kind of, I wanted to have quite a sort of holistic birth, if possible. You know, I, I did some hypnotherapy or a hypnobirthing course. I read lots of books. I, you know, wanted to do a water birth and all that sort of stuff. And so my birthing plan was fairly straightforward, but, you know, the least um, medical invent, uh, in, intervention as possible. Um and then I went in, he had, a, they thought he was going to be big. They thought he was going to be a big baby. So they booked me in for an induction at, I think, 40 weeks on the nose um, because they didn't want me to go over. And that was, I think the induction was booked for the Monday. And on the Thursday, I went in for a sweep. Um, and she said, and go for like, um, it, to an like induction club so you just basically spend 45 minutes telling you exactly what is going to take place in the induction and I was suffering from really bad sciatica I couldn't actually really walk and so she did the sweep and she was like you know I'll be able to have a 
rough idea and she did the sweep and she was like you are very unlikely to go into labor naturally before monday your cervix is not ready um so she was like how do you feel about just coming now we'll just do it now just stay and we'll just start the induction now and then by monday you'll probably have had your baby and i was like yeah okay why not so had the induction you know three four days later the induction failed so we i had to have a c-section did you have nadia what did they do so they do so the first there's three step is it three or four stages so the first stage is they give you a pessary mm-hmm. um and then you have to wait i think six six or twelve hours i can't remember i can't remember which whether it's six or twelve you have to wait like a period of time to see if that works and then you have a second pessary which is obviously i think a bit stronger and then you have to wait 12 hours to see if that works and then they give you something else gosh i can't really remember i've got baby brain still is it the um hormone drip with the yes i forget the name of it but it basically sort of tries to kick start your your contraction yes yes and so i was on the drip for about 16 hours wow um and they just couldn't get the dose right so they would give the they turn the drip up and my contractions would just come too too fast and too heavy and they turn the drip down and then they basically stop so for 16 hours the midwife was just back and forward back and forward upping and downing the dosage and then the surgeon came in and was like okay we're just gonna the baby's getting a little bit distressed so i want to do an uh, exam and see where we're at and we might have to you know nick the baby's head to see if the oxygen levels but let me just do an exam and see how dilated you are um and so and then we'll make decisions so she did the exam i had gone into hospital on the thursday and i was already one centimeter dilated and she said um she said i've got (laughs) i can't remember she was something like i've got some bad news and i was like oh no you know you hear that and you're like crap something she said something like that and she said uh i said how how far am i dilated she said half a centimeter so in four days and 16 hours of contractions, I'd only dilated half a centimetre. So it was a, I was a centimetre and a half. And she was like, you've got nine centimetres to go before we can, you know, actually think about getting this baby here. And she was like, I'm not happy. The baby's heart rate is getting elevated. You're getting distressed. You're, you're exhausted. I think we should just get to have a C-section. There's just, uh, I'm worried that if this continues, then you know, we're, we're, the baby's going to become more and more distressed and I want to just get him out. And I was like, okay. How were you feeling at this point? Were you just so exhausted? You just wanted to meet your baby. Were you like, look, just do what you need to do. No, I felt, I was fine. I had an epidural. So about 10 hours into contractions, I had an epidural. Um, and so I was, I was literally living my best life my my birthing partner went out and got me smoked salmon and cream cheese bagels to eat we were just literally just sitting there chilling chatting chatting to the midwife eating fabulous food drinking lots of fizzy water it was yeah i felt absolutely great but when she said the baby was distressed i was like yeah let's i i can't you know a cent half a centimeter was it was heartbreaking it's like this is this is just my body is is not 
is telling me that it's not this isn't going to happen so I might as well just not you know it's been 16 hours of contractions that's it's silly to to wait and actually I walked from the hospital bed to the surgery I actually even though I had an epidural this anesthetist was so good and they got it so spot on that I could walk to the surgery and I really wanted to um and I was carrying my epidural as I was walking down the down the hall it wasn't far obviously I was walking down the hall of the hospital and the surgeon came out and was like what the bloody hell are you doing so what do you do she said what the bloody hell are you doing and I was like I really wanted oh I, I can do this and she was like she grabbed a chair and was like behind me with a chair as I was walking um but yeah it was like kind of like that was my my rite of passage you know I walked in and I was like right we're gonna do this do you think the hypnobirthing helped you stay really calm and sort of just at peace with everything that was going on even though it wasn't quite how you had sort of thought it might go in your mind I personally didn't enjoy the court the, the <laughs> bits I didn't sorry the bits I didn't hypnobirthing I really didn't enjoy because um every time that I do like a meditation for example the and they the the ones that I listen to they'd be talking you through you know you're on a boat or um you know you're on um you know imagine that you're on a boat and you're going down the stream and it was like it's like a meditation is it a guided meditation and every single one was like and your husband holds your hand and and it's just like obviously I I didn't I don't have a husband so I'd kind of be getting into it and then all of a sudden it's like yeah it was very kind of like and then look into your husband's eyes and you know see the love and the joy that's about to happen and I, and I literally would wake up and be like oh yeah this isn't for me but I'm mindful that I practice meditation and mindfulness anyway so that to answer your question it that definitely helps keep calm and it's just it's all about your perception I was very happy to go with the flow um I was very chilled whatever they said you know I didn't know what I was doing I was just kind of like there being like okay I don't know what I'm doing so you guys can you know advise me you're the experts you advise me and we just had we made the best of it we had a great time um, we were the last, we were lucky though, because we were the last people that were allowed just before lockdown. We were kind of the last <laughs> lot of births that were normal, quote unquote. I was going to ask you because you had me and then the country went into a lockdown. Yeah, literally. And it was absolutely petrifying um, because I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> And, you know, I was, I was scared because this killer virus was, you know, scary. I was exhausted because, um, you know, I was here, single mum, full-time parent, zero sleep. And I was trying to recover from a C-section. So it was a real, that, that period, it's like, it's still quite foggy in my memory because it was just the days blurred into what, it was about survival really more than anything, sorry. Yes, <laughs> about survival more than anything, but it was a really, it was a really wonderful time because I had no guilt about being in that bubble, that baby bubble in the beginning. 
and it was actually really nice even though it was hard and I was scared and I was like oh I'm you know just before lockdown I think we got about a week before so someone would come around every day make me a cup of tea take the baby we'll have a shower and so every day I had like a bit of a break and obviously when lockdown happened that nobody came could come around so I didn't get a break so that was tough but at the same time you're I was just able to like be in my pajamas and be with my baby and just not worry about somebody's going to pop in and the house is a mess or I'm a mess you know or some, the, the pressure that everyone's like oh let me come round and you tell your birthing story a million times you know and it's just observing like changing a nappy or like just it it must have in a way been nice just uh and we were in a lockdown here as well so I can relate a little bit it's just like you can just get on with it you don't have yeah. to about, I mean in your own mind you're thinking am I doing this right oh but there's no one sort of peering at you there and sort of looking over your shoulder yeah and it was fab because I don't I I'm working on it but I don't I mean who takes criticism well but I really don't take criticism well um uh, and especially you know it's in that time where you're trying to do your best but I remember it was about yeah we were coming out of the first lockdown um and I remember just thinking like no one it's about six months later it's about coming up six months and I was like no one's ever seen me change a nappy like I don't even know if I'm doing it right but there could be a little nap that I don't know about that um you know means that I'm not doing it right but obviously it was but it was just yeah there's still even to this day because it's just us, you know, I still very much, I, you know, question like, is he having enough food? Is he uh, developing okay? I mean, I don't know how much, you know, he weighs or how, how tall he is. I don't know where he is on the scale. You know, I haven't had a midwife appointment since probably, well, the health visitor came, I think when he was like 10 weeks, is it? So yeah, I haven't had in nearly a year. I had, you know, he's, we haven't had any visitor, health, health visitor appointments or anything. Um, so yeah, we've just been kind of cracking on, which hopefully will be a good thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, God knows whether I'm doing it right or not. <laughs> Job, And I think it almost gives you that space to trust your gut and then go with it and not have that outside noise because so mm. often, and I make this mistake all the time, I have a gut instinct, but then I'll see someone doing it differently or I'll see something on social media or a friend will say something in a WhatsApp group and I think, oh, maybe I'll try that. When actually we do know, we haven't done this before, but there is something inside that instinct. So you Definitely. have to allow just to, be, just to listen to that and get on with it. So it was probably the best thing although so yes. hard and yes but, but it's hard for everybody you yeah. know that's the, that's the thing you know it's 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 difficult for everybody I get you know it's it's very it's, it's a hard time without a pandemic it's but it must be you know hard but but with a pandemic you know lots of people are, uh, have struggled in lots of ways um and I'm just I'm, I, I just feel really grateful that we kind of were able to that the first lockdown was such a baby bubble that it didn't COVID didn't really affect me because I wasn't really going out anyway. So it was that first, but that first wave was scary and I was scared. And I remember waking up and I had to watch Good Morning Britain every like I 
the be feeding the baby waiting for it to come on because I needed kind of outside the out con- that was my contact with the outside world about that what actually was happening um and it but it, I'm so grateful that we were just able to just be us with no judgments no opinions no praise or criticism either just like you said there was no noise it was it was oh it was actually wonderful (laughs) sensitive in that foot in that fourth trimester those first three months if anyone ever commented or said anything in my mind I would take that as criticism and I was that's what I mean yeah overly sent I get overly sensitive back no one was criticizing me but in my mind it's like step away (laughs) exactly that's it it's not no one's criticizing it's just uh, sometimes I hear I I, I'm sensitive so I hear criticism even though it's not there so yeah it was it was very sort of liberating in a funny way of just being like we can just do us and there was days when I literally didn't even have a shower didn't have time to have a shower and I didn't feel guilt I had no guilt around it I was like I'm minging. It's okay. We're we're happy. We're here. We're healthy. Like, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> and and let's talk a little bit about your breastfeeding journey because I love how brutally honest you were about this on your podcast because people don't talk enough about breastfeeding to pregnant women. It's no, like you have to get to the point where you're struggling. Not everyone struggles, um, but it's almost like you have to get to that point and then you seek information. We're not educated about the fact that it's not as simple as you have your baby and you just breastfeed. Um, So what was that journey like for you, feeding Zeke? Oh, hell on earth. And I don't, you know, and people say, oh, you shouldn't say they don't want to scare anyone. It's not, it's not, it's not said to be scary. It's said to be truthful. You know, it was very, very difficult. I really had the highest of hopes about breastfeeding it was just it's something that I really wanted to do I I just yeah I I I couldn't I couldn't understand how it would be how it would have been a problem and everybody kept telling me if you do breastfeeding right it's not painful if you do it right it doesn't hurt if you get the latch right it doesn't hurt it hurt to the point where every single time he would latch on, I would either have to bite down on something or I'd scream because the pain, searing pain, like hot, burning pokers on your breast. And then one day, literally he latched on and then my nipple just exploded and it was just blood everywhere, all in his mouth, on his face, everyone. I couldn't work out whether the blood was coming from me or him. And I freaked out and I was like I don't know is it coming from me or him I don't know if it's me or him and obviously it was me um, <laughs> and I tried everything I tried the nipple shields I tried which helped I tried the Lanisol that the, is it Lanisol the cream that helped Amazing, that um yeah it was fantastic I don't know how that stuff works but by gosh it was brilliant um I tried a couple of different positions um but it got to about six weeks and I was like I can't do it anymore and then like you said then I sought um an expert um I think she's feed eat sleep on Instagram Stacey yeah I follow her. and she did she's great yeah she did like a zoom 
um, consultation and she watched me try and latch him because even though sometimes I go to feed him he would just he wouldn't he he would just turn his head away um, and so it it's not as if once I got him on, we could calm down. It was like he would just constantly come off, move his head around and then back on. It was a struggle for like, just to get him to just feed. So I spoke to her. She really put my mind at ease because I was ready to give up. And she was just great. So then I continued on for about another six weeks and it got to about three months. And every time I got my boob out, he'd start crying. And I just didn't know why. And it got to three months and I was like, I just can't do this anymore. I can't. I, I, I'm, the, the, I'm exhausted, obviously, physically, because I'm, not, I'm 24 hours a day feeding on demand. But I'm emotionally exhausted because I'm fighting my child over milk. And he's hungry because he's crying. But the form that I want to give him the food in, he, for some reason, is not vibing with it and so yeah let me just and I, I was mixed feeding from almost from birth because when she came round three days late or what is it a three-day visit or five-day visit I can't quite remember exactly what but the first visit he'd lost over 10% of his birth weight so she was like you need to start mixing some formula in to get it let's get it back up quickly so I was mixed feeding <laughs> from early on anyway um and yeah, I, was like, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't. And I, I, was, I wasn't expecting. So obviously people talk about when your milk comes in, you get the baby blues. Um, and so I was ready. When my milk came in and the baby blues came, knowing I'd had it jammed into me, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And it was great because when it came, I knew exactly what it was. And I was like, I got this. And for about 24 hours, I felt a bit like, Ooh, and then I was like, fine, done. It was done. It was fab because I knew what it was. But no one told me that when I stopped breastfeeding, I would kind of have a bit of a, like a depressive slump. Mm. And so for about a week after I stopped breastfeeding, it, it felt like I had that baby blues come back. And I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. So I felt even worse because I was like, I don't know what's happening. Um... And obviously, it all work, it's all worked out fine and everything's great. But like you said, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why we're not talking about it more. You know, really, the good, the bad and the ugly. You know, it's not. People need to, lots and lots of people I know, um, some of my NCT friends, they're still breast, solely breastfeeding now. And the ba all the babies are hitting, coming up to a year. And they're still purely breastfeeding. You know, it was for them it's just been a breeze and i'm and extremely envious that is fantastic but i would say it's more common for people to have issues in the beginning now usually yes. you have issues in the beginning and you then find your rhythm with it but i don't for me those early days of breastfeeding were more painful than giving birth 100 million percent. I remember messaging my mum and I was like, this is toe curlingly painful. And I would yeah. I would be so anxious and worried about yep. waking up and being hungry, which is all the time when they're newborn. It's literally like every couple of hours. And I just exactly. like, oh my God, she's going to wake up and it hurts so much. And just like the tears. And you've got the baby blues. Ah. And it's just, 
why don't we talk about this? Because I, I knew like you, my milk would come in and I'd been warned, you know, you'll, you'll feel quite wobbly. Yeah. Need like a steam train. I was not expecting it to be that intense and you're sleep deprived. So everything is yeah. worse. Yeah. And it's, and it, I would have a C-section 50 times over than go through the pain of that first parts of a breastfeeding again. <laughs> it, I've never felt pain like it in my life ever. I was, like I said, I had to bite down on something because it was, yeah, sobbing, sobbing because the pain was, so, not, I never felt anything like it. And it does get better, but it's still, even then the when the pain would, sort of get go away then it was still I was having trouble because then he wouldn't stay on the latch and it like, wouldn't feed properly so it was for me it was like and because nothing was open so there was I think that's the one thing as well I'm kind of a you know it's a bit like if things were different because there's a I went to a breastfeeding class before and even then she she did not she was one of those I spent three hours in this breastfeeding class and all I came out of it was, it's not going to hurt. That was basically the message for Stan. It's not going to hurt. If you do it right, it doesn't hurt. And I just was really like, this isn't fair. You know, you three hours I spent in a breastfeeding class and you didn't tell me that the truth yeah. <laughs> of what may happen. Um, but she, but she, I really liked her. And I knew that if the classes were still happening, she did a breastfeeding clinic every like Tuesday and Thursday. And she, she literally said to me, you know, this is way pre-COVID. She was like, just pop into the class. I'll help you, you know, breastfeed and we'll get it sorted straight away. So I know if things were open, I would have definitely gone and had a physical, yeah. I would have had help. So I probably would have been, because he had, what also happened is we found out um, through Stacey that he had a slight tongue tie because she saw the latch and was like, oh, I think he might have, and I remember, and I'd forgotten completely. And I remember the midwife when he was delivered, um, the midwife said, he's got a slight posterior tongue tie. And I just, for some reason, completely forgot that, yeah. that, that information. And then when she said, oh, he may be, it looks like he may have a bit of tongue tie. I was like, oh my God, he is. Yes, the midwife said. And she was like, mm. so I looked into having it cut, but, we were like mid pandemic and it was just like, I did not want to take my baby to a hospital of all places to get his tongue tie cut. So we kind of pushed through for the next six weeks. And then when he started crying, when I got my boob out, I was like, okay, I get the hint. Yeah. And, and you are obsessed in those early days with making sure they're having food. I mean, I yeah. was, it was all I could think about. Like, I don't know if she's getting enough. Is she getting what she needs? I have no idea and like I'm filming my boob at like 4am in like the pitch black like sending it to friends like does this look right like I, I just yeah. don't know and it does become it sort of takes over your life a little bit because you just want to know they're getting everything they need um yeah. but you're also in pain but that cream the Laniso I think that's how you say it was a game yeah. changer because you could actually keep it on because I had one that you had to keep taking off. And then a friend said, no, get this one. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Because I'd done no research about breastfeeding. Um, I, I had literally a little cream that I got in a goodie bag. <laughs> was for, so I thought, oh, that, that will do. I didn't know that you could get ones that could stay on. So you don't have to keep wiping it off. And there really does need to be more sort of education around that. Because... 
it's it's meant to be this sort of natural thing. Yeah. And for us, yeah, there were times felt so wrong because it was so painful. I was like, how is this possible? This this can't be. I must be doing it wrong. This can't be what it is because everybody keeps telling me if you do it right, it won't hurt. And I'm like, it hurts. So I'm obviously doing it wrong. And I'm like, that's not accurate information. So this, and so, yeah, so I really wanted to be totally honest about it because, and like I say, people say, oh, you shouldn't say that because you might scare people out of trying it. And it's like, well, if, if, if people hear that and then they're scared to try it, they probably weren't going to try, you know, it, they were obviously looking for some kind of excuse to not do it anyway because I can't imagine that me being like it hurt but I still did three months yeah gonna make somebody not even try um no so, I yeah is the best way I think it has to be we have to talk about our experiences from, from a truthful perspective and understand that this is okay it's okay and because you then yeah. feel so alone and I was sat in the back of the car yes I think I think maybe it was like I was seven days into it and it was just starting to ease up and I was listening to that episode and I was like oh my god okay so it's not just me that was yeah. in this excruciating pain <laughs> as okay this and it makes you feel not alone which makes you feel better um so much better. and it really, so much better really helps so thank you for being so yeah. honest and it's funny because you just then get into your rhythm with feeding whatever it may be bottle boob and then you have to start weaning and it's like you're starting all over again. <laughs> it, like hell, weaning was hell on earth as well. Weaning, like I was very I, I, fuck, I hate weaning. Oh my god. The 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 kind of roller coaster of emotions that weaning gave me. I what I waited till he was six months because I was adamant that he wasn't ready he wasn't giving any of the cues and he wasn't ready so I was like oh we'll wait six months so <gasps> on his six-month birthday he tried food and the first day he ate a few spoonfuls of food and I was like this is amazing this is this is great the next day he ate some prunes I think it was and then threw them straight back up like um pureed obviously but threw threw it threw up so that was a shock because I literally was like just not expecting it um and then he refused to eat pretty much for like a, anything substantial for about another it took about two months if I'm honest it got to about eight months then he we kind of again got into a bit of a rhythm but two solid months and when he rejected his food I had to keep reminding myself that he's not rejecting me because I felt so rejected <laughs> And it was really, and again, no one warned me. Ev you, everyone talks about weaning, but I just, again, it's this natural thing. It's food. Of course, he's going to want to eat food. It's amazing. I did not think that he would start eating and then decide actually no, and then push it away and the gag reflexing. And then he was puking. And it was like, I, this is really tough. Yeah. And you feel like such a failure. Such a failure. How is this just, and you see on Instagram, these babies eating like pancakes and right muffins and like five months old and you're, and, and also there's the whole choking thing, which I'm still terrified of. Um, terrified. And it's really scary. And you just, you just get, you've just got into a rhythm and you just feel like, oh, okay, I know what I'm doing. And then you've got to start this whole new phase again. 
And again, it should be so natural. We all grow up eating. We all know how to eat. And yeah. I don't know why it just seems so overwhelming. It's so, it is, you, it, that kind of sums up parenthood so far for me. I just get into a groove and then something comes along and turns my world upside down. So, you know, we just got into a groove and whether it was breastfeeding and then weaning and then teething and now he's walking and, you know, I have, my, my home is open plan, so it is not baby proof. And he, because he's starting, he's walking, but he's still wobbly. So he falls over a lot and I've got hardwood floors. So he's constantly bumping his head, bump, you know, falling, bumping, bumping his bottom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really tough. <laughs> I'm running around after him being like, no, don't put your finger in the hole. Don't do this. Don't grab that. Yeah. You just can't take your eyes off them for a second, can you? Not a second. Like, I, I, my, I've got anxiety. Like, that's kind of like my resting heart right now is anxious is a level of anxiety that's how long-term the anxiety is because it's every day yeah I've <laughs> recently because there is no switch off there is no, no even when she's asleep i'm staring at the monitor i'm mm. it, the, it's you are never off ever. yeah no it's, never sometimes that can feel quite daunting um mm. because there is no respite no and, that's something that maybe I need to work on. But even if I do have an hour or something to myself, which is very rare, I'm not relaxed. I don't know how to relax anymore. Yeah. I don't know how to sleep through the night because I haven't slept through the night in about 17 months. Um, so I've completely forgotten how you sleep through a night. I couldn't, if I just couldn't now that he's not slept through. So that's out the window and I couldn't tell you I mean I try and have like a bath and I try and have a bit of self-care and stuff like that um but yeah I mean like literally my default at the moment is just anxiety like I walk everywhere I'm like danger 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 everywhere yeah but we're wired that way aren't we when yeah. we become a mother it's it's inside you like you, you just can't you can't help it um yeah yeah Nadia I wanted to chat about your relationship with everybody because I love how I mean you go on and this is something I'm struggling with so what would be some of your top tips for out there who like me are struggling to body? it's a really hard one because my post baby weight has just fluctuated so much um i lost i lost a lot of weight at the beginning breastfeeding helped and, and lost you know a lot of the weight at the beginning then i put about a stone back on once I started getting into routine and actually having time to eat. And then I lost a stone and I did a diet plan and lost a stone. And then Christmas came and I put on two. And so I'm literally the heaviest I've ever been without having a baby in my belly. And it's very, very tough because I look in the mirror and I'm not used to seeing my body the way it looks. Um, and I'm, I constantly have to remind myself 
your body's amazing it brought you a healthy happy baby your body grew you know that was your body was his home for the first nine months it, you, it's amazing give it a break because i sometimes i look in the mirror and i just think I, i'm wired to think like yuck and it's really really it's the two voices i've got the voice in my head that says oh when i look in the mirror and then the other voice that's like you're a queen you're amazing you know you've you've done it you're, you're wonderful you're fabulous so it's it's just trying to like drown out the negative voice with positive affirmations and, and reinforcements because my body is amazing and I thank God you know it right now it's doing everything possible to keep me alive and I don't even have to do anything like it baked my baby to perfection I didn't have to lift a finger you know it's like wow like my body did that so yeah you know carrying a few extra pounds I was gluttonous over the festive period I must say I mean gluttony at its finest um, and so now I'm kind of back on a bit of a bit of a health kick, um, and yeah, it's extremely difficult to lose baby fat as well. The baby weight is like some stubborn molecules, so it's going to be really, really tough. I, I, I'm again, I see mums that have had babies similar to when I had a baby, and they're like bounced back. Um, in like a split second and it's like sometimes I, I had to unfollow all of like the perfect mums on Instagram that I sort of followed in my pregnancy because I was like oh yay how exciting this is what it's gonna be like and then when my baby came literally I was just I felt like this like fat unwashed heathen <laughs> and then I'd look at them on Instagram and it just made me so down I had to unfollow them all because I was like I can't I can't put myself through this like the insta versus reality is like really happening um and i can't i with all everything else i'm dealing with i can't deal with that type of that on top of everything else so like logically you know these are good people they're showing yes. their highlight you know all that but it seeps in and it can be yep. really dangerous to then your self esteem because even yes. though you know all of that you just yep. then think Am I the only one that's just like looking like yeah. shit and that doesn't have the like the crib with the Hermes blanket over it and like yeah. you know the 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 whatever the fancy you know car seat whatever it might be and it yeah. can be really really dangerous. Yeah, the perfect child that doesn't have a bit of dirt on them and it's like my I look at my one and he's got like biscuit crumbs around his face, a snotty nose and grubby feet from playing in the garden you know it's like <laughs> i literally like put him in a fresh baby grow and then he'll puke on it or something he'll spit spit down it and it's like oh <laughs> it's so different to unfollow people who in those newborn days like never have any spit up on them because i'm just like how exactly. is them possible like how yeah. how do you not have spit up all over you like i don't understand how you're managing this yeah like it got to the stage where the kind of the the baby the smell of baby sick kind of was just like ingrained into my skin um and it was it, it was a it was just that was that that was like my odor perfume the new the new fragrance just baby puke it was it was everywhere <laughs> on everything and yeah i just couldn't i had to and and you know it's i think taking control of 
my social media because I used I used to think that if you unfollowed somebody that was the height of rudeness and it was like a declaration of I hate you type, you know type of vibe and I'd get really offended by it and I don't know what, who I thought I was <laughs> because now once I started taking back control and, and I'm following people that not for anything wrong they can put whatever they content they want it you know perfect photoshopped I don't care but what I have what I do care about is if I wake up in the morning and I scroll and my heart sinks a bit because I feel inadequate and it's not them they're wonderful people they're living their life they're doing their thing it's not them it's me and when I started on following people to take, I had to unfollow all of the influencers this last lockdown that are in Dubai because I was really struggling with my mental health, being like locked in home with a baby again. It's like, oh my God, it's never ending. And they're on, a, you know, sipping cocktails on a beach with their friends. And it was like, they're, they're, if I had the choice, would I do the same? Probably. But I don't have the choice. I just need, but I do have the choice not to yeah. consume that content and let it affect my mental health. Like that's my choice. That's what I can control. And it's the same with like baby bodies. I, I and I I love I love platforms like TikTok is a good platform because it really normalizes women's bodies. People are on there dancing and they've got their mum body. There's like a hash, like mum bod dance or something where literally people are just dancing with their mum bellies. And it's amazing to see normal women's bodies. All the time you get to see these normal women's bodies. And it really helps with my mental health to see realness. This is what an actual body looks like after you've had a baby. Now, some people are genetically blessed. Yeah. Um, that's wonderful. But for the majority of us, I mean, my body shape has changed. Like, yeah. you, I felt, I, I, I almost thought, I've gotten away with this. I kind of, I was breastfeeding and I, I probably wasn't eating enough, to be honest. No way. You sort of yeah. living off your nerves a little bit. And then as soon as I stopped breastfeeding after, it was four months, four and a half months, just overnight, I feel like I put on about a stone and a half. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I cannot. Rude. Rude. And I can't seem to <laughs> on it. I know what I need to do. I just can't seem to do it yeah and it's very hard to, to get the motivation because you the last thing I want to do after a day of looking after a one-year-old is work out I don't want to go to the gym I know they're not open but you'll do a workout class I can't I mean I can barely keep my eyes open let alone lift weights you know it's like it literally is the very last thing I want to do so for me it's just about making healthier choices in the kitchen. Yeah. Like that's, that's, you know, I don't want to work out, but I know that if I make healthier choices with what I'm eating, then that will have a significant difference so that when I'm feeling good and the, you know, I will, I will work out because I'll get the bug for it. And like whether like today it's like, Oh, actually, yeah, like summer's coming. So yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just trying to Monday to Friday, I'm trying to just eat really healthy um, and no booze. And then on the weekend, just sort of kind of having a bit of a relaxed weekend. Not overly, you know, gluttonous, but just a bit relaxed. So hopefully that will kind of kickstart my body into... It's the hardest, isn't it? And 
probably all the same. You know, I, I enjoy food so much that at the end of the day, I want to enjoy a meal. I want to sit and watch Netflix and enjoy a meal that I like. Thanks. For me, that's mm -hmm. a, I've earned that. And where are the people on Instagram just being like, I just don't have the motivation to work out. I'm going to yeah. adjust my style instead. <laughs> and yeah. Sit with this for a minute because I just don't, I'm just, I don't have the capacity now to yes. about losing weight. And I, and I exactly. want to, but I just don't have space for it right now. I don't have space to do a workout while my baby naps. I need to put some washing on. I need to do Absolutely. a stretch or have a shower or whatever other forms of self-care for you and I wish people were just a bit more honest about that because again I scroll through my stories and I'm like well they're doing a lovely home workout um whilst I'm just watching them do it what I could be doing yeah. them with yeah watching them eating biscuits watching them work out literally being like stuffing my face while watching them work out being like oh look at those skinny bitches like <laughs> And then I'm and then I wonder why when I've got a whole pack of Jaffa cakes gone. <laughs> so, oh, that'll be why because <laughs> they've actually got up and worked out, and I've eaten a whole packet of Jaffa cakes. Oh my God, it's literally so true, isn't it? And it's like no wonder. I mean, I'm not helping yeah. now, but I think we have to <laughs> learn to accept it more because yeah, definitely. You have to have space for that. And for some people, yeah. working out is a thing that keeps their mental health really great. I'm yes. not one of those people. I have not caught Same. And, and I've tried. I have tried. I have worked out consistently for, everyone says, is it 21 days to make a habit? Well, I've yeah. I worked out consistently for about a year. And it, I just not once it, as soon as i could stop i did yeah you know it's not like it's just really uh, it's i just i wish i i was wired that way i wish i caught the bug but i've consistently worked out a few times in my life diet plans i did a six week diet plan and i worked out three or four times a week with that hated it yeah hate dread it literally would wake up every morning and be like what Ex if i could think of an excuse good enough to get out of this workout i'd do it I'm can't think of anything but if i could i would i know every time and it's yeah. it's so difficult but i think what you're doing is you're, if you can make healthy choices with your food that exactly that's what i can do the, that's what i don't mind doing because what is that saying you can't you can't out um, you can't work off like a really bad meal. So you can't, even yeah. if you're working out all the time, if your diet's poor, I can't think of the same, but. Yeah, is it something like you can't outwork a bad diet? Yeah, something like or that. Or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's and all you know, It's all in the kitchen. It's funny because here it's the opposite. I'm going out for walks as much as I can, but soon the weather's going to be so hot I won't be able to. Whereas at home, the weather's getting progressively nicer so you can actually get out and walk and I think that I love walking yeah. with the pram and that always makes me feel yeah like I'm moving at least yes moving. that's that's something I can do and I do enjoy that because I can listen to a podcast or you know yes same um but it's hard it's really hard yeah it is and, and again you know that's kind of like why I, I like to keep it real for me because it's my my experience is different to 
you know, lots of other experiences of people that have, like you said, either genetically blessed and bounced back or have worked really hard to bounce back. And it's like, well, I'm, I ha- I'm not either of those. So I'll just sit my little pudding butt down. And <laughs> I was never, I mean, I think I've always been sort of like a 12, 14 and I'm, mm. I'm happy with that. And so I've never had like a really, really sort of amazing physique, but I honestly thought I'd, I'd gotten away with it. And then I was yeah. like, oh no, I just haven't. And not only have I not got away with it, but it's my, my hips are wider and yeah. you know, your body does change and it's really difficult to accept it. And some days like you, I'm like, I am a queen. I gave birth. I yeah. And then other days I'm literally just like, I can't look in a mirror. Like yeah. I don't recognize my body and it's so weird as well because uh, like I was probably a 10 to 12 pre-baby and I thought I was fat then and it's so weird I look back at pictures and this and I'm like I'm so much slimmer there but I, I remember looking in the mirror at that point and thinking I was overweight and I was too fat and I needed to lose weight and I'm like wow isn't that mental that you know I just I really, but we just beat ourselves up, yeah, constantly for our weight. So we're never happy, and that's yeah. something that we have to work on. There's an amazing um, woman on Instagram called Danae Mercer. She's actually based out here, and she posts these wonderful photos and videos of what bodies actually look like. Yeah, and amazing. That's yeah. I'm going to follow. That's the content I need to be consuming. Fantastic, and it really. Yeah. You know, this is what a tummy looks like when you're in on um, Yes. Not what you see on We'll be right back after this short break. As an expat first-time mama, I know firsthand how hard it can be to find your tribe, particularly during these very strange times we're all currently living in. Playdate is an interactive platform where mums and dads can help build their child's social circle and avail awesome discounts and deals. Born here in Dubai, Playdate is currently available for download on iOS and Android in the UAE, USA and UK. Users can share stories, create memories and expand their child's world all through the ease of a single app. It only takes a few minutes to set up your profile and start exploring. Set your preferences for age, gender, your child's interest and browse parents and children in your neighbourhood, nation or worldwide. Once matched, get instantly connected with mums and dads using the chat feature. Organise playdates, mama meetups, share ideas and make new memories with new like-minded friends. To make your experience even sweeter, swipe through and discover incredible offers, exciting goodies and fun-filled events for you and your little one. Playdate's fabulous founder, Shamim Kasabawi, was a guest on the podcast for episode 5 of this series, so please do go back and have a listen to my chat with her to find out more. Build your child's social circle today with Playdate. Download now on Google Play and the App Store. Now let's get back to the show. I'm going to do a quick fire round now. Um, okay. Before we let you go. So what's your one piece of advice for first time mummies? Oh gosh. Um, oh there's so much. Where do you begin? Uh, just make sure like perception is everything so whatever's happening whether it's 
the 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 labor or the birth or whatever it may be keep positive because i had exactly the same birthing story as the woman opposite me on the labor ward and she i guarantee is telling the world that she had the worst birthing experience of her life and i'm telling everybody that i had the best experience and we had exactly the same experience we were both there checked in on the same day had an induction induction failed had to have a c-section but she she was she for some reason thought she'd get an induction and then eight hours later the baby would be here so three days later she's kicking off going mental get i want a c-section now get this baby out of me i'm not going through this anymore and crying she was shouting at the midwife she was screaming at them it was very distressing to watch and witness and because i was very laid back and like it is what it is he'll come when he comes and whatever happens happens and tried to enjoy the the moment and stay as present as i could because every part of it was so wonderful it, it, it was and that's it all comes down to we had the same experience but it was her perception versus mine so if you can try and keep a positive perception that everything that happens is exactly what is supposed to be happening don't worry too much about you know make a birth plan but do not be think that that if it goes wrong that you failed in any way or it's not goes wrong even if it's just different like positivity is the key love that um your top three essential items for first time mums definitely the nipple cream definitely like it that thing i'd put it on and a couple of hours later it would like fix my nipple yeah it would heal it oh, i was like it's like some genius like voodoo um so definitely nipple cream um i was so adamantly sure that i was going to breastfeed that i didn't actually have any bottles um because i was like I don't, i'm not going to buy bottles i don't need bottles i'm breastfeeding and i needed bottles so it's probably worth just having even if you do think you're going to breastfeed it's probably worth having even a bottle just in case because it was quite stressful at the time when my milk was coming in and I was feeling wobbly to then be like, oh, I've got to now buy a bottle and then learn how to sterilize it and do it. Blah, blah, blah. And it was all a bit like something that I really should have just thought about a bit more yeah, in, the, in the past. Um, uh, and then the third thing, um, what was good? Um, I'm just trying to think. Are there any pieces of kit, you know, that was really handy? Oh, I had two changing bags. So I have one in the bedroom and then I have one in the living room. And it saved, so it was so easy because um, obviously you're going to be changing a lot of nappies, but not having to run up and down stairs to try and get something or whatever. Like I, having two changing, I bought the grey one that Mrs Hinch used um and it had like compartments for everything it was fant fantastic and having one in the living room and one upstairs was just oh it made my life so easy i was like thank god thank for mrs hinch for showing me these bags and she was the one that said have two yeah. and so i bought two and i was like yes this is a great little life hack well aren't they you can get them on amazon 
and yeah. they're really affordable so like you can have multiples of them yes and it just saves you because you need to simplify your life don't you in those early days so, massively yeah you works. can't be taking your baby you know whether you live upstairs or in a flat taking the baby to another room to change and then come back again it's you're giving yourself so much hard work just just have a nappy and some wipes to hand and the good thing about the the changing bags is because of the got compartments there's always room for snacks yes <laughs> think about you as well um, absolutely what's one item you thought you would use a lot um as a first time mum in those early days but didn't and the reason i ask this is because i feel like there's a lot of pressure when you're a first time mum to have so many things and if you're on a bit of a budget which i definitely was you can feel a bit like uh, what's a priority and what's not so was there something that you would say just really isn't an essential item a non-essential i was very frugal before he came i was determined i had a real funny ocd moment i was like the opposite of nesting I did not want to clutter my house with crap. And so I was like, I only want the bare essentials. Um, and you do end up getting stuff, but I, as the fear comes in nearer the time, you're like, am I a bad parent? Do I have enough stuff? But <coughs> I think a lot of the fancy um, chairs, you know, that the ele fancy electric chair thingies, um, that that move he 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 didn't like that at all he liked his old school baby bouncer non-mechanical that just bounced he loved that and so yeah i think it's really important to like not not spend too much money before the baby comes because you do not know what you're going to need until the baby comes and it's weird I, every it's such a strange feeling because i always say to people like we have this mentality that the baby comes and all of a sudden like the shop shut because everyone's like panic buying it's like anything you need can be delivered within 24 hours and a lot of the time the same day so if you just if you have forgotten to buy something that you think actually i need you can hold, it's okay yeah. don't panic buy first wait till the baby comes and then take your time building up a collection that you need very very little in the beginning yeah. very little very little and we're just marketed to the whole time and really it's they add an extra zero i swear to everything because it just because it's for like parents like the, it's it's a it's a parent trap it is it is the parent trap um what's one thing nobody warned you about before becoming a mum <laughs> well i think obviously the breastfeeding <laughs> pain um would have been a little heads up would have been nice. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, I, th I think people, like you said, we've got to, I don't know why we don't talk about pregnancy, birth and parenting more. I, I don't know what I'm doing, literally. I don't have a clue if I'm doing it right. And why, why would I? Because we don't get taught any of it. Um, and it's just crazy. And I think we have to, but pe all people told me before I was pregnant was, um, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. And I'm like, but what do you mean? Yeah. Like, how, hard, how hard can it be? It's like, a, it's like a bean. It's like a baby the size of a foot. Like, 
how hard can it possibly be? And no one, it, all people say is it's hard. And I'm like, tell me, tell me what way, you know, tell me the truth. Like you can say, you know, you're going to, you're going to, like I said, people reinforced about the baby's milk coming in and how that I, you'd get, you'd probably feel wobbly. And so when it came, I almost, I felt good because I was like, okay, this is what's supposed to happen. It's here. Yeah. Okay. Tick off the list. Yeah. Baby's milk's in. I feel like crap. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, yeah, I try, try, uh, I, yeah, it's very. We we've got to talk about it more. We've got to educate people more because I, like I said, I don't. I, I can't believe they let me leave the hospital with no. I didn't even take an exam. I didn't do anything. Like they just let me walk out with this human. Yeah, and then you get home and you're like, oh my goodness, literally. <laughs> what happens now? Yeah. What happens now? Yeah, we must talk about it. And you know, like you do with having those conversations. So that you know, you might not experience what you have. You, it gives you that confidence that, oh, okay, well, this is normal. Great. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, not coming in. Great. Okay. I know this is part of it. It's so yes. Um, yeah. And I did a lot of, uh, uh, it was crazy. I did that, I uh, did NCT and it doesn't really focus on what happens after the baby comes. It kind of just focuses a lot on the birth. Because I like he's now one, and it's like I don't know what I'm. I like I'm not. I don't know what he should be. We, we I literally don't have a clue what I'm doing. So you know, I I kind of wish. I suppose when you're pregnant, all you can think about is the birth. But uh, but yeah, we speak a lot about it in our group that we we all kind of got a bit blindsided that the birth happened and it was such a short relatively short period of time and then after the birth like you said you get home and you're like what blinking out what do I do now then how do I keep this baby alive like what it's all on me yeah and and it I just I think mums today feel first-time mums feel so underprepared because yeah. like you're, you're cramming you're pregnant for nine months but you're kind of cramming in those nine months learning how to be a parent but this should be taught to you in school like this it should be more stuff absolutely. taught spoken about in schools and definitely so much there's almost so much information out there that you get so mm. confused it's overwhelming it's so overwhelming particularly with things like weaning i mean my head oh the month felt like it was going to explode i literally was like i don't i would get in such a panic about what am i going to mm -hmm. have a child every day i'm not a natural mm -hmm person in the kitchen I don't cook for myself so how am I meant to cook <laughs> for baby? and they're like well what you can do is you know when you're when you're making when you're preparing dinner you know just like give the baby what you're having and I'm thinking but I don't cook so I sort of everything I eat my, my problem is everything I eat is spicy I'm like addicted to chili and so it's like yeah that's a great idea I'd love to be able to cook and give my baby what I'm eating but it'd blow his back doors out like it's no I couldn't yeah and I know people are like oh add the spice later and it's like no but the the point the spice is infused in it to give it the flavor you know it, it's not something you can add later it's part of the initial cooking process so I, I found it yeah I found it quite hard in terms of that because it's like every, I, I, put, I I have spicy spaghetti bolognese 
yeah it's really difficult and I'm almost relieved when I have days out because I can just use the pouches I'm like oh I'd have to think about perfect it. And then I feel good yeah. I'm like I've been out two days in a row she's basically just eating pouches like is that okay that's okay you're gonna be okay is that cheap? of course you know is that no like oh my gosh we live off pouches Whenever you're that's what they're made for yeah but or annabelle carmel but then i'm like oh is that bad you know so it's just it's no oh i can't have that mum guilt as well on me no i literally you've got to like I, I in the beginning again I thought I was going to be like this proper earth mom like pureeing all the food and like making like little ice cubes of like spinach and all this sort of stuff and the baby came when the weaning started I was like this is tough and he would he he very much is is kind of playing with food and he doesn't like a lot of food has gone to waste because I'll cook something I cooked muffins the other day hated them yeah you know an hour of my time down the drain so with the pouches i'm like they're organic they're you know well-rounded they've always got stuff full of fruits and veggies for like 90p or something i'm like sold yeah oh i'm so glad you said that i mean it's so much better like literally all she had yeah. pouches because i was out yeah I'm like uh, but they're but they're full of they've got no nasties in so exactly eats them because i've had that a few times i thought exactly I experiment and make something and she just doesn't want it and I'm like, no and it is it's so much harder not feeling like you've been rejected when he's when you've made food and you not only is it your cooking that's being rejected it it, it is you so it's like no pouches are fantastic and the the ranges now the food is is really good that's out there what's available so he lives off pouches i mean very rarely does he eat the same food that i eat also because his for me it also people say oh you should eat with your child he eats at very different times to me he's he's when he wakes up at like 6 a.m he's hungry i can't eat any food at 6 a.m it's too early for me like i feel sick if i thought of food at that time in the morning and then his dinner is at five and it's like that's too early for me to sit and eat dinner so so we don't eat and like relax and eat in peace and not be yeah. eating whilst trying to feed a baby it's just yeah not quite sure how people yeah eat. so i feel i definitely feel like our weaning journey is probably a bit different to how other people's are because like you say i see lots of people <laughs> being like oh we're just giving the baby you know what we're eating tonight and it's like well, first of all, my baby's in bed. <laughs> and then second of all, I can't, like, that food is not tasty to me. Yeah. And I and, and obviously I put salt and seasoning in my food and it's like I'm worried about that. And no, I love that. Just I stick to, I stick to, I've got organic pouches. They've got organic jars. I'm all over it. That has made me feel so much better. Um, what's your favourite thing about being a mum? Oh gosh, I mean, it's, I, you wake up and you have love for this human and you don't think it could get any stronger. And then a couple of days later, you might wake up and it's even stronger. And it's just, I feel like I found myself. It's, it's the, it's the most wonderful, amazing experience and 
I, I just, I'm so sad that not everybody gets to experience it because it's so amazing and I feel so blessed and so grateful because there's just a love, it's, it's like unlocked a part of my heart that I didn't know existed. It's, it's changed me as a human in every way it can. I'm such a better person for it. And it's just, yeah, I, I like I say, I, I, it's just some people will never understand. And it makes me sad because there's a lot of people that really want to. Um, and the others that don't are missing out as well. So it's, oh, it's wonderful. And what does motherhood mean to you in three words? Tired. unconditional love you know it's like it's, it's, it's the two ends of the spectrum I'm absolutely exhausted physically and mentally but you know I I put him down for a nap and then I miss him and I'm like oh I miss you and then he wakes up and I'm like oh gosh he's awake <laughs> it's madness isn't it it's yeah. I spend evenings just looking at videos of her love it love it my favorite thing to do i mean it's not an obsession isn't it and you just yeah. but then you're, yeah. you're like, please sleep but at the same time you just can't wait for them to wake up it's yeah madness. it's 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 the best coolest most wonderful club that i've ever joined i'm so happy to be part of it because yeah there's really you can't i Nobody could have explained to me where that I could have got it. How I how great it is, because it's it's un, it is unconditional. But at the same time, you know, you're so tired that it's yeah, it's a complete crazy, you know, head scratcher. Nadia, thank you so so much. You are the first person that has made me cry with laughter on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for just being so honest. It, I just think it's so important we have these conversations. And even if one person listens to this and gets touched on, it can be baby. Even if you're surrounded by lots of people. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I'm so happy to, you know, come on and chat. It's, it's like you say, it's, it's, we've got to talk about each of our experiences because somebody will relate to it. Somebody won't, but you know, somebody will. And, and I wish that I'd, I'd kind of had someone like me to listen to when I was pregnant, because a lot of things may have not come as such a surprise, perhaps is, is the word. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to put a link to your podcast in the show notes as well. Thank you. So people know where to find. And if anyone's pregnant and listening, you must listen to this podcast. <laughs> or even if you've just had your baby, because it is, it's so honest and brilliant and funny and just real. So thank you so oh, much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much once again to Nadia for her beautiful honesty and for making me cry with laughter. You can find links to Nadia's Instagram page and podcast, The Clueless Mum, in the show notes below. You can also find links below to our social media accounts, including the Friday's Child Facebook community. 
This is a group I have created in the hope to share positive birth stories, along with parenting life hacks, tips and tricks, general advice, and much more. This episode is the last in the series. However, I'll be back next month with more incredible guests. A big thank you to all the amazing women I have had the privilege to interview so far. And thank you to everyone who has listened and supported the podcast this series. One final note before I go, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Friday's Child the Podcast to help us reach more wonderful mamas. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.